Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Come with me in your Bibles, Daniel chapter 6. Yell out when you're there. The title of my message tonight is Away in a Manger, The Brilliance of the Basics. I, I did tell the, uh, the 5.30 service that I preached this message this morning to our staff meeting and, uh, and I basically, the title was a little bit different. It was Basics is the New Sexy. But because we're in church and it's Christmas, I thought we better do Away in a Manger, The Brilliance of the Basics. If you're taking notes and you prefer the morning one, basics is the new, then go ahead. All right. You're all there? Daniel chapter 6? It says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. At this particular time, the world power is Babylon. Babylon rules the world at this particular time. King Darius has in, inherited the kingdom from Belteshazzar, who inherited the kingdom from Nebuchadnezzar, his father. Uh, the sun did not set on this empire. It stretched all throughout Africa, throughout all the continents of Europe. Babylon was the, the ruling regime. And the Bible says that, that he had to divide the kingdom up into 120 regions. Verse 2, over these, there were three governors, which meant they got how many regions each? 40 regions each that they were meant to look after. Daniel was one of those uh, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Verse 3, then this Daniel, everyone say this Daniel. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and above the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to set, setting him over the entire realm. The king gave thought about putting Daniel over the entire realm, over the entire region. We read words on a paper, but we don't understand the gravity of its context. The context here is that Daniel was a captive from Judah, that under Nebuchadnezzar, when they sacked Jerusalem, they, they took these young men and young women and they took them captive to Babylon. And then Daniel was forced to serve. He was forced into a re-education camp. He was first to study the language and the literature, the customs and the cultures of the Chaldean, the Babylonian kingdom, in order that he might serve. But the Bible keeps referring to this guy called Daniel because even though he was from an, an ethnic location, and even though he was brought there as a captive, as a slave, and even though he wasn't a local, and even though he was treated by the people as an outsider or a second-class citizen, this guy kept rising to the top. He kept rising to the top. The reason I, I felt so strongly to preach this message is because uh, if you talk to any football coach, coach, coach Tim, Coach Smith, if you talk to any basketball coach, they will tell you that it's all about the fundamentals. 
It's all about the basics. We live in a we live in a world where at the moment you can say, well, I'm not as gifted as that person. I'm not as talented as that person. I, I don't have the right context. I don't know the right people. Daniel doesn't say he had any of these things. But there are five things that Daniel does, and I promise you I'm going to give you all five, even though the poor old 530 people, they got gypped. They only got one. <laughs> I'm going to give you all five, I promise you. I may not preach all five, but I'm going to give you all five. Um, there are five things that if you have these things in your life, if you have these things in your life that you'll elevate, just as Pastor Connor said, God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of principles. He's no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of principles. And if you have these five things in your life, I promise you they will cause you to elevate. They will cause you to flourish that will cause you to have incredible success in this life. Uh, one of the biggest sections in a, in a bookstore is the self-help section. And while I believe that all help begins with yourself realizing you need help, you need breakthrough, self-help ends up in idolatry. It ends up as a dead end. I love motivational speakers, but you can have the wrong motivations. Wrong motivations. One of the saddest things, Pastor Jesse's, I've seen over the years, pastors with the, with the right goals, just the wrong motivations to get there, and they left a trail of broken marriages and broken mess and broken people because they never saw that the, the goal wasn't to get to a certain numerical number-sized church. The, the, the goal was always the people. The goal was always the people. People always ask, hey, how, how many are you running? I'm like, I beg your pardon? In your church, how many are you running? I wouldn't have a clue. Well, what do you mean you wouldn't have a clue? I thought you were... Yeah, because the goal isn't for me to be running a certain number. The goal is every single person that comes into Awaken, we want to disciple, we want to develop, we want to discover what they have on the inside and then deploy it, release it, so they can be living their best life. We're not thinking about how many numbers we're running, we're thinking of how many people we're empowering. It's a different spirit. And so, so here is Daniel. And then watch this. It says he distinguishes himself because an excellent spirit was in him. So the, the king thought of setting him over the entire region. Verse 4. The governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel. Everyone say jealousy. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. If you want to avoid persecution, don't be successful. If you, want to be, if you want to avoid people being jealous at you and envious at you, just be mediocre. Just be lame, beige, mediocre. But you will find that, that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. But the Bible says that, that there is persecution, that you'll be blessed and blessed are you when you are persecuted. You will be persecuted. You will be envied because the first murder happened when Cain murdered Abel because Abel was blessed and Cain wasn't. And rather than Cain repent and do what's right, it was just easier for him to, to assassinate and kill the man carrying the blessing. That's the same spirit that's in this world. So when you're prosperous and when you're blessed and when you're successful, you got to just get used to it. You're going to have people out of envy and out of jealousy and out of, you know, they're going to be nasty. You just got to put up with it. So these guys, they want to find fault against Daniel. But watch this. It says, so they tried to find charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge. Verse 4, they could find no charge or any fault because he was, come on, because he was faithful. Because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. It's amazing what faithfulness will do. It's amazing what faithfulness will do. 
it was probably, uh, gosh, I'm going to say 2010. Uh, we were in Australia. It was, it was uh, New Year's Eve and God bless my beautiful bride. She, she lasted to about 9.30. I said, babe, they've got fireworks on the beach. Okay, so I thought I'm going to go down. So I'm just kind of walking on the beach by myself and it's, you know, you know fireworks are going off. And so I just said, oh, it's just me and you, Lord. Just me and you. And I said, you know, Leanne's not here for me to kiss, so it's you and me. And I said, anything, Lord, anything, this year, anything. And he said, two things. And I said, all right. You know, I was hoping for one, but all right, two. He says, two things, awkward conversations, faithfulness. I said, what? He goes, awkward conversations, faithfulness. He goes, I don't want you to, to fear having awkward conversations. You can't be an effective discipler of people unless you're willing to have awkward conversations. And just humble yourself. Say, man, it's going to be a really awkward conversation, but I need to talk to you about. And it was amazing how easy awkward conversations became and how effective and how fruitful. I'm like, you know, hang on, faithfulness. And he said, just be faithful. If you're faithful with little things, you'll be faithful with big things. You can't be unfaithful. The, the, you know, the whole, um, you know, Bill Clinton, oh, it doesn't matter what a person does in private as long as it doesn't affect what they, we know the name Monica Lewinsky <laughs> because the lie is whatever happens in private affects what happens in public. You can't, there's no compartmentalizing you. There's only one you. Integrity means to unite your heart. That's what's called integrate. It's, it's the devil's constantly trying to divide because any house divided cannot stand. So he tries to tell you, you can have, you can have a little private life over here, a little private scene over here and then a public. You can't do it. It'll destroy you. It's one life. So faithfulness because Daniel was faithful. Then these men says, we can't find a charge, verse 5, against this man unless we find it against the law of his God. Now, the truth is, if you hold God's perfect law up, every single one of us falls short. Moses went up on a mountain. God's perfect law came down and man was condemned. Jesus went up onto a mountain. God's judgment came down and man was redeemed. So Jesus came to redeem us from the, the law and all of its disqualifications. So they said, we got to find a fault in him concerning his God. So then this is what they do. They go to the king and they said, oh, king. And he's like, yes. <laughs> we actually we actually don't even see you as a king. We got together, we actually see you more like God. I was like, what? <laughs> king, we were like talking there the other day. We said, Where is God? <laughs> is he a God or a king? We can't even tell the difference. Anyway, we've put a little petition together, a little contract here that um, anybody, anybody in the kingdom that doesn't recognize you as a God, hello, should be prosecuted. And so we just want you to put your little signature down here that for the next 30 days, any man or woman, um, but specifically man, possibly from Judah, um, who would want, who would. <laughs> Pray to a God other than you, other than your king. We think that you're the most benevolent, all the gods that there are, as well as the most good looking. Did anyone pray any other God other than you for 30 days, just 30 days, um, you know, their house should be destroyed, made an ash heap, and they should be thrown into a lion's den. And the king was quite flattered by the whole thing. He's like, you see me as a God, really? <laughs> I, I feel like I've got some faults, but okay, I could go with that. 
God, eh? Oh, yes, yes, we're already, we're already planning your portrait to hang on all the wall. <laughs> Real portrait, okay. And so, you know, so, so, he signs, so he signs the thing. The problem is they had a law of the Medes and Persians, which is once it was signed, even the king had to submit to the authority of the legislator once it was signed. He couldn't undo it. And the Bible says, if you go down to verse 10, um, as soon as Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open, not closed, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, toward his heart, towards his, toward the city where God says, I will put my name in Yerushalayim, I'll put my name there. He knelt down on his knees three times, not once, not to, but three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and had him arrested. You know, the truth is that I know so many woke pastors who would have gone along with that. Well, you know, it's, it's a law, it's a decree from the king. It's just 30 days, hello. And, or they would have been like, yeah, 30 days. I do that all the time, 30 days without prayer. But not Daniel. Daniel's like, I ain't going one day without prayer. The Bible says he refused to give up one day. 30 days? Listen, king. It was a, as soon as he heard it, he, he went straight to pray. He didn't like wait a week, to, you know, till maybe that. He didn't wait, he didn't go and hide in his closet on the very first day. He's like, let me just tell you, King, the source of my strength, the source of my life, the reason I'm able to do what I do, manage what I manage, lead what I lead, is because I, I have access to a well that is a supernatural well. I draw from a source that is a supernatural source. And shebre deri kataraba, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna draw from that well. And there's no decree, there's no legislator, there's no law, there's no entrapment you can write that's gonna keep me from my devotion to my God. So they arrest Daniel and they bring him and then they, they hold the king. They say, King, you signed the contract. And so Daniel gets thrown into a lion's den. Just as they're putting him in, as the king's putting the seal uh, over the, 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 the lion's den, have a look at this. In verse 16, the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and they cast him into the den of lions. Verse 16, but the king spoke saying to Daniel, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. When you are faithful to God, when you have that level of devotion, God will make sure that you don't go into a lion's den by yourself. He'll make sure you go into a lion's den with a prophetic word reminding you of the promises of God, even if that prophetic word comes out of the mouth of a pagan king. God puts a prophet. The, the king doesn't even realize it. The Daniel, the God that you serve faithfully, he's going to deliver you. What did I just say? It just came out of his mouth. So Daniel went in with the word of the Lord with him. He wasn't in there by himself. The word of the Lord was with him. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet ring of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No musicians were brought to him and also his sleep fled from him. And the king rose very early in the morning and went in haste to the entrance of the, the, the cave. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. And the king spoke to Daniel saying, Daniel, servant of God, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lion's den? O king, live forever. My God sent his angel 
and shut the mouths of the lions so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I've done nothing wrong before you. And the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the lion's den. So Daniel was taken up out of the lion's den and no injury whatsoever was found on him. And then the king gave the command that those people that sucked him in and trapped and did the whole entrapment thing, that they should be thrown in there with their wives and their children. You might say, what do you mean? Because when you live that kind of life, it will always destroy your marriage. It'll destroy your family. It'll destroy your children. It'll destroy their future. You live for God. And then the king gets, uh, verse 25, then King Darius wrote, to all peoples, all nations, all languages that dwell in all the earth, I'm peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. His dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and he rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. And he has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius, in the reign of Cyrus, the Persians. In one day, the entire world hears about the one true God and a command is given that there is one God that we have discovered and he is the God of the Hebrews. He's the God of Daniel. He's the God of him because of one man's, one man's stance. So in just the two minutes I have left, let me give you the five points. So point number one, I'm going to give you all five and then we'll go back. Point number one is an excellent spirit. Daniel had an excellent spirit. Number two, he had a spirit of faithfulness. He had a spirit of faithfulness. Number three, he had a prayer life. Some people want a prayer time. Some people want a prayer hour, but what we need is a prayer life. Daniel had a prayer life. Daniel was committed to the word. Daniel was committed to the word. And number five, Daniel had courage. If you have these five things in your life, an excellent spirit, a spirit of faithfulness, a prayer life, devotion to the word and courage, I promise you, there is only elevation. There is only promotion. There is only increase. It said that Daniel didn't just prosper under Darius. It says that the, the next king, we know the next king is Cyrus, the king of Persia. He's going to prosper under Cyrus, king of Persia. It didn't say that Daniel flourished and prospered because he was better looking or had the right contacts or, you know, went to a Tony Robbins seminar and walked on hot coals. Daniel prospered. Daniel flourished because the, these five elements, and I want you to know it's these five elements that are accessible to every single person, you can have an excellent spirit. You'll say, well, Pastor, how do I get an excellent spirit? Well, number one, it begins with God. The Holy Spirit is an excellent spirit. Psalm 8 verse 1 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. The Holy Spirit is an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit is what I saw when we came to night of Christmas. The, the night of Christmas, they could have been content just to be up there in sweat singing those amazing songs, hitting those amazing notes, producing those amazing vocals, but they weren't. The dresses that they had, the garments they had on, they could have just had beautiful dresses, but the way that they did their hair, the way they, they, they could have just done the songs, but then, then we had the, these ma magnificent 
acrobats up, going up and down, you know, at one point looking like angels and then people in those rings, my God, if I was in those rings, I would have gone off into the crowd and there'd be a litigation and a lawsuit. I'd be in traction in hospital right now with Jesse saying, Pastor, they're suing. I'm like, oh, come on. I was trying my best. I got dizzy. Spirit of excellence, an excellent spirit. Years, years ago, you know, I started going to Starbucks when we started the church because it was cheaper than renting an office. For $4, I could spend four hours sitting at the same table meeting after meeting. I felt, I'm still here. It's like a dollar an hour. It's the cheapest office space in town. I remember after, you know, four hours of drinking, coffees I had to go to the restroom and uh, I remember walking in oh oh my hey somebody needs to clean that out public bathroom my lord and and you know the other one had the little red occupied I'm like oh and I was busting I'm like oh man so I walk in the Holy Spirit says you know what's the problem I said oh man people people obviously can't flush I said there are people you know with their thumbs like they just don't have any dexterity and they can't they can't like I'm not sure I'm not sure, I'm not sure why, like how hard is it? Like, oh, I did that, well, I should probably take care of it. What people, oh, someone else will clean it. Providing employment, creating jobs. I'm not sure what people think. But true story, I'm in there and the Holy Ghost goes, you clean it, I ain't cleaning it. I ain't cleaning it, it's not my mess. That, Lord, that is not my poop. And he's like, clean it. I'm like, I'm not cleaning it. The Bible says that cleanliness is next to godliness. And he's like, the Bible doesn't say that. <laughs> it doesn't? No. Oh. Well, maybe it should. You know, and, and so anyway, so the next minute I find myself just, so now all these years later, I can't help it when I go into it. Because, you know, part of it is a little bit selfish because, you know, like when you walk out, you can say, oh, oh, before you go in, that wasn't me. No, it was some of it. In fact, I don't think it was that guy there. It was him. Oh, wasn't you just got here too? Yeah, it wasn't him either. But, you know, it was somebody. Because they're just going to think you're the pig that left the... And so I'm cleaning, I'm, you know, water on the floor, towels. Like, how hard is it to pick up your paper towel? Like, oh, I missed the trash can. Someone else will pick it. Anyway, so I can't help it. So I got to... And the Holy Spirit said to me, if you can't clean up the, the, the filth in a bathroom, how are you going to clean up the filth of a city? And then it got worse because then I remember going to Vons. I'm like, just I just want I just want to buy some groceries. I just want to. That's what I want to do. Like just and I, you know, and you unload in the and then you're putting the and I, I put the shopping cart back, but then you know somebody's parked theirs up on the curb, and I pretend I don't see. And the Holy Spirit's like, what are you doing? I'm putting my cart back like a good person. What about the one you just? Yeah, somebody else has did that. It's like, take it back. No, I, no, I didn't, no, no, that's. And then he said, spirit of excellence is eroded by noticing something that needs doing, by noticing a flaw, by noticing a fold, not taking care of it. Because you saw it, you've now got to compromise a value. If you compromise a value, you start cheating on your taxes. If you 
if you kind of just fluff an invoice, or you, you might make a few extra dollars. You knew that it was, you know, it's, it's a $1,200, but you put $1,600. You think, hey, they don't know, they don't know all the technical jargon. You, you may think you made an extra $400, you lost. You lost more than, you operate like that. God's blessing comes on an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit is one that has great integrity. We were at the Sistine Chapel this year. And they were telling us about how, uh, about a decade ago, they, they did this extraordinary cleaning with, with a chemical that made sure it didn't damage the paint but brought it out. And they were amazed because what they thought was faded in the corners. They thought that, you know, that Michelangelo, when he painted, only painted the top and then kind of let the details kind of waver as it got to the corners and only to find that once they did the deep clean, it was just all the soot from a fire with the windows open that had caused it to settle. They found that it had the same detail in the corners that the human eye couldn't see from standing down there. But it didn't stop Michelangelo from to the very, very last, to the finest detail because he wasn't doing it to see what he could get away with. He was doing it for the glory of God. People come from all over the world, 30,000 people a day go to the Sistine Chapel because of spirit of excellence. If you want to elevate your life, you have a spirit of excellence. Have a spirit of faithfulness. No, there's nothing that, that, that elevates like faithfulness. The Bible says, well done, good and faithful. Do you know, this is a true story, and I'm, I'm out of time, so I've got to finish. But I remember when I, when I got married, I, I, was, I was very aware of my own weaknesses, my proclivities, my, my dysfunctions, my brokenness. And I said, oh, God, like, God, you know, poor little Annie, she married me. She said yes to me. I'm glad she did, but wow, you know, like I feel like I, I got the bargain and she got. I said, God, I want to be a good husband. How do I be a good husband? Tell me how I'll be a good husband. He goes, be faithful. I said, yeah, 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 I know, I know that. And I'm not going to cheat. Um, I'm, not, I'm not even interested. Sorry, what was it? Yeah, I'm not even going to. I'm like, tell me again what you want me to do. Faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. Why? I don't get it. He says, well done, good and faithful. Well done. You can't be a good husband and not be faithful. You know, that, that pastor, oh, he's a great husband. He's just not faithful. It's good and. It's two sides of the same coin. If you want to work on good, just work on faithful. The more faithful, the more good will rise. Just work on being faithful. You want to be a good employee? Be a faithful employee. You want to be good in the eyes of your boss? Be faithful. Faithfulness, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Prayer. I'm going to finish on prayer. When I was in Bible college, if I was honest with you, Pastor Alex, I was so intimidated because there were all these people. They were, they were second generation, third generation pastor's kids. And I remember Eric, you know, you're not meant to compare yourself to other people, but I'm comparing myself and I'm listening to these guys preach and they had all the swagger, you know, that they knew their Bibles. You know, I'm still like, you know, 
thinking that the Saul in the Old Testament is the same as the Saul in the New Testament. Go, man, how awesome that Saul, the king, got converted on the road to Damascus. And like, it's a different Saul, you idiot. It is. You know, it's like, it was just embarrassing. And uh, for these guys, you know, that they could preach. And they were doing that. Come on, it's the glory. And I'm like, what the is the And so, so I'm thinking, you know, you know, that's what I'm thinking. And then I'm thinking, you know, when the anointing gets, I'm waiting for the anointing to come. So I got the thing happening, but it never came. And uh, so I was just intimidated. And then this, this man said to me, he just grabbed me just in, in, in a hallway in between lectures, great man of God. And he grabbed me, put his hand on my shoulder. And he, and he said, son, I've got a word for you. I said, what is it? He said, if you pray in tongues 20 minutes a day, you'll change the world. And I'm like, surely it can't be that simple. Surely, surely it can't be all about fundamentals and basics. And I remember getting home thinking, there's no, there's no, there's no. But the, he was a man of God. The man was Brian Houston's father. He was the, the district superintendent of the Assemblies of God, built at that time the, the most powerful church in Australia. And he said, if you pray in tongues, to, and he saw the most extraordinary miracles. And the Holy Spirit said, what have you got to lose? Like if he asked you to do something difficult, wouldn't you do it? How simple is that? It's a true story. I would just go home every day from Bible college. And at first, you know, 20 minutes was an ordeal. I'm like, man, there's gotta be 20. That's not even four minutes. It felt like 20. And, but after a while it began. Now Leanne and I spend most of our days. When I was standing at the night at Christmas, the Holy Spirit said 20 minutes every day. Change the world. When I look at, I'm not smart enough for campuses. I'm not smart enough that we fly to Indianapolis. And the guy says, you've got two projects that you need right now, six million for the building up in Idaho, 14 million to buy the Salvation Army, you need 20 million. Here's a letter, $20 million. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that clever. I'm not that smart. But a man once said to me, if you were just 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Daniel, as soon as he heard, as soon as he heard that it was signed into law, Daniel was one of us, Dr. Matt. As soon as he heard it was signed into law, he said, Newsom, you can blow it out your shorts. Oh, oh, we can't worship in church. Guess what? We're advertising Praise Fest. Take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. I'm just going to pray. I mean, he, he went home that day, opened the window and prayed three times, not once, three that day. Blow it out your shorts, devil. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. I love him. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Say this word, say, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you are an excellent spirit. Heavenly Father, I want my life to reflect your glory in the earth. Today, fill me with that excellent spirit. Fill me with the spirit of faithfulness. Fill me again 
with a hunger for prayer. Lord, I love your word. And just keep your hands lifted with the word. This is what God said to me. He said, Jürgen, if you live in my word, my word will live in you. People look at my life. I was on the phone yesterday to a guy in New Zealand. And he's like, oh, look at your church. Like, it, like it's just amazing. 2020, 2021, 2022. While other churches are lucky to get 30%, 40% of where they were before COVID. You guys have doubled. How does that happen? I said, friend, it's because we live in the Word. And so the Word lives in us. Got a report back from someone who had terminal cancer. We prayed for them. And the stage four cancer completely, completely healed, completely gone from their body, not a trace. Another one rushed to hospital. They were, they were, they were brain dead for 40 minutes. I thought they're gonna have brain damage. It's, 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 it's over, heart thing, complete recovery. And then I sent the word of the Lord. And I said, there won't be one brain cell damage, not one thing damaged. And the doctors said, this is amazing. This is amazing, this is amazing, this is amazing. Complete faculties, zero damage. When you live in the Word, the Word will live in you. When you live in the Word, the Word will live in you. When you live in the Word, the Word will live in you. Father, I thank you for a spirit of courage. Let a spirit of courage and let Word come on these people. Come on, if you believe that, give God a great praise. Wow, what an amazing Word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.